As you can tell from the sermon title, we're about to read a passage where Jesus calms a storm. And I think it's really encouraging, particularly as we are, we are going to move from reading God's Word to confession, that we recognize Jesus stopped the storm, even with His disciples' lack of faith, and even with their fears. So with that in mind, listen now to God's holy and inerrant Word. One day, He got into a boat with His disciples, and He said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this? That he, even com- that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you, and helpless, we look to you for grace. We pray that you would cause us to be still underneath your word that you would allow us to hear and put into practice what you call us to do today, that we would place our faith in Jesus. We pray that you would remind us all today, from no matter what we come from in this life, how we walked through these doors, whether we're anxious or bitter or we are scared or we are full of doubts or we are excited or perhaps even too comfortable uh, that we have forgotten our dependence upon You. However we come this morning, we pray that as we look to Your Word, You would remind us that we are all far more broken than we could possibly imagine. But there is hope for us because Jesus has come. And because of Jesus, at the very same moment, we confess our brokenness. We can also confess that in Him, we are far more loved and far more secure, and far more accepted than we could have ever dared dream possible. We pray that you would lift our eyes to see our Savior Jesus, in whose name we do pray. Amen. Please be seated. Children are dismissed to Children's Church now, children ages 3 to 6. Make their way to the back of the sanctuary. You'll be taken to Children's Church. This fall... We are looking at the miracles of Jesus in Luke's gospel in a series that we're calling The Hands of the King. Um, And through this series, uh, through these miracles, we are catching glimpses of Jesus' identity. And we're learning how we're meant to respond and to live in light of his identity. So this story that Luke records for us in Luke chapter 8, it clearly gives us a glimpse of Jesus' power as he rebukes the wind and the waves and everything is calm. But it's also addressing something I think that all of us deal with in this life. And that is fear. Fear, anxiety, Uh, being scared in the midst of life's storms. 
A man I know uh, told this story about a time when he was a young boy and his and he had a conversation with his grandfather, which he never forgot. Um, and in this conversation, his grandfather was telling him about one of his experiences in World War II. Uh, he was in the Navy, and one evening while they were traveling in a fleet of ships on the sea, out of nowhere in the thick darkness of night, the sky was lit up with artillery fire and explosions as they were attacked. And that the quiet of that evening, it was interrupted with crashes and bangs and sirens going off and screams of, of men who were fighting for our country. And this young boy, as you might imagine, he was sitting on the edge of his seat listening to his grandfather tell this story. And he was imagining the, the sights and the sounds, imagining the, the chaos and the confusion and the fear that must have been that evening. The grandfather told his grandson that on that night that he looked over the bow of his ship and he saw the ship in front of them on fire and sinking into the ocean. And he looked over the stern and he saw the boat behind them also hit and on fire. And he went on to tell this, the rest of this story that I'm not going to share with you right now because we don't have time. But the grandfather told his grandson that somehow they were able to fend off the attack that evening, even amidst all their terrible losses uh, that night. And so at the end of the story, the grandson, he mustered up the courage to ask his grandfather a question. And it was the answer to this question that he never forgot. Uh, He asked his grandfather what we would assume is a very natural question for grandson to ask his grandfather in this situation. Um, He said, were you scared? And this is what his grandfather told him. He said, I was so scared that night that I've never been afraid of anything since then. And it's a wonderful way to explain the fear and the terror that he experienced. The fear was so great. It was so incredible that every other fear in life paled in comparison. That fear, he was saying, put all other fears into proper perspective. Listen, the storms of this life, they threaten our security when they come, right? They make us vulnerable to pain and heartache and to loss, and they fill us with anxiety and even anger sometimes, and certainly fear. And what we really need, what I want to try to convince you of this morning, is that what we really need is a fear. We need a view of something so great, so large, and so incredible that it will put all other fears of life into proper perspective. Let me give you what I consider you're going to kind of ruin the joke at the beginning, but I'm going to give you the punchline, what I think is the punchline of this story in Luke, and then I'll share with you two simple points. Here are the disciples, and they were scared, and they were afraid, and they went and they woke up a sleeping Jesus who woke up and rebuked the wind and the waves and brought perfect calm. And as you're reading this story, that's the moment that you lean in, and we're expecting, then they breathed a sigh of relief. Everything was okay, and they were safe again. But instead comes the punchline, verse 25, and they were 
afraid. See, they were afraid of the power of this storm that was the wind and the waves that were gathering outside their boat. But all of a sudden, when Jesus calmed the wind and the waves, it clicked for them that power itself was inside the boat with them. And they were afraid, Luke tells us. See, what they got that evening was a fear that put all their other fears into perspective. They found something, that something that was greater and larger that put life's other fears into proper perspective. And that's what we need this morning. If we're going to be able to navigate the storms of life without being dominated by fear and anxiety and even anger, we need this fear, a new fear. So here's my two simple points this morning. I want us to talk about how we are taken into storms by Jesus and how we are delivered through storms by Jesus. So first I want us to talk about how we are taken into storms by Jesus. And I want to be honest and upfront with you in this point as we get into it, because this, this might bother you a little bit. Um, it might even be a little unsettling and uncomfortable for you to try to wrap your mind around this, because we don't normally want to think about Jesus like this. But you need to know this. Jesus often takes his people into storms. The disciples, they were fighting for their lives, right? They were scared. Verse 24, Master, Master, we are perishing. Or Master, Master, we are we're going to drown, is what they were saying. They were afraid. They were terrified. They were about to drown. They were about to sink into the bottom of the sea. Why? Because Jesus took them into this storm. Verse 22, Jesus said, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. Jesus took his closest friends into a dangerous, into a perilous, into a frightening storm. You know, the Sea of Galilee, it sits 600 feet below sea level. And around the Sea of Galilee, there are these mountains that are gorged with ravines. And what often happens on the Sea of Galilee is that the cool air from the mountains, it rushes down through these ravines and it collides with the warm sea air. And these, these terrible storms develop very quickly. But here's the thing. That was nothing new to many of Jesus' disciples because they were fishermen They were seaworthy, right? They knew their way around a boat. They had battled storms on the Sea of Galilee before, certainly. And so this had to be a really terrible storm. Experienced sailors were panicking and helpless, and they were there because of Jesus. He took them into that storm. But don't worry, it gets worse. Right? Jesus took them into the storm, and then he fell asleep on them in their time of need, in their moment of fear. He slept while the storm gathered and built in its fury. So, Do you see the trouble, why this might be unsettling and uncomfortable a little bit? It's, Jesus, if this is how you treat your friends, you know, I, I mean, and oftentimes... It really is. They went to wake up Jesus with their fears of drowning. Master, we are drowning. Mark, when he recorded this story, he he adds that some of those disciples woke up Jesus to say, Teacher, don't you care 
that we are drowning? You see their, their struggle. I'm not sure if we can trust you, Jesus. If this, if this is how you treat your friends, and if you fall asleep on your friends in their moment of need. In Psalm 44, psalmist wrote, and you can go read this later on this afternoon maybe, the psalmist wrote that all this affliction has come upon us, though we haven't forgotten or been false to you, God. And then the psalmist writes this, Awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself, why do you hide your face? I think the disciples would say that sounds familiar, right? Jesus often steers your boat right into the hurricane, and then he appears to fall asleep on you. So apparently unbothered and unhurried by your trouble and your pleas for help. At the very least, he appears to have very slow reflexes, right? I mean, he, w- he will not be hurried. Look, the physical storm is a beautifully terrifying metaphor for the insecurity of life. The storm that gathers when the doctor gives you the diagnosis of cancer. The storm that builds when your child is hurting and you are powerless to help. The winds that howl when your family feels like it is being ripped apart. When the waves that crash, they crash upon you when you hear the news about the coming layoffs. Or maybe or, or maybe it's far more internal, and maybe it's the back, painful baggage that you carry from your past, right? And the, the, thing, the moments of injustice that you've experienced that are haunting you and threatening to sink your ship, oftentimes Jesus steers your boat right into the hurricane. And it's in these storms that Jesus reveals how fragile, how very, very fragile the things are that we have come to count on as foundational and sure, and it's scary because they're all threatening to break up. And it does feel like the bottom is falling out. It's disorienting and it's terrifying, and all the more so when Jesus will not be hurried, when he appears to be asleep in our time of need. As we end this first point, this is really encouraging, I know um, it it does get better uh, as we go, but let me just try to crack the door just a bit to the light of hope, uh, to the glimmer of hope that we have in this, in this passage and even in this first point. Years ago, I, uh, I went sailing. I, I took a trip with some friends to the British Virgin Islands. And it, it, the British Virgin Islands are a great place for sailing because there are these volcanic islands and they form this channel. And I think it's called the Sir Francis Drake Channel. And it's great because the, those channel of island, that channel of islands, it funnels the wind through the islands, and so it makes for great sailing. But what those islands also do is they block the big ocean swells from the open water. And so we were, we were out there sailing. It's just beautiful. It's tropical. It's, it's wonderful, uh, clear water, all that kind of stuff. Well, one day we were sailing, and we decided to venture with our boat a little outside the channel and out into the open water. And listen, it was a beautiful day. I mean, it looked make-believe it was so beautiful. Um, Like, this can't be real. But the moment we got outside of that chain of islands, I was about to throw up all over the place. Because it was a beautiful day. 
and the swells of the ocean, when we were looking down 10 feet and then up 10 feet at the next wave, and I was about to lose it, and a friend of mine saw that I was about to lose it. Um, And so he said to me quickly, he said, look back at land. You have to look back at land. And so I did. I looked back at the island that we had just passed, and all of a sudden, my nauseousness subsided. Here's the thing. It's because even though that boat was rising and falling, that island was a still point. It was orienting instead of disorienting. It was unmovable and unshakable. The land gives you perspective, right, that helps you get your bearings. And this is where we started, right, proper perspective. That's what we need. If all you see in the midst of your life is the gathering storm, then your life is going to be dominated by fear. But if you can get some perspective, if you can, get, if you can see something unshakable and unmovable, you will be able to get your bearings. Jesus often takes us into storms, and he appears to sleep on us, and he allows us to feel our vulnerability, our helplessness, our smallness, and he is doing it so that we will see that he is the still point in our tossing and turning world, that he is unshakable and unmovable. Charles Spurgeon once wrote, So it may be you would run aground and suffer shipwreck if your divine captain did not steer you into the depths of affliction where waves of trouble follow each other in quick succession. Some plants die if they have too much sunshine. It may be that you are planted where you get but little. You are put there by the loving husbandman. Because only in that situation will you bring forth fruit unto perfection. Remember this, he writes. Had any other condition been better for you than the one in which you are, divine love would have put you there. Divine love often takes us into storms. And it's always because He loves us. And it is always because He knows what's best for us. Because it's in the storm that you find Him to be the still point. It's in the storm that He reveals a fear that puts all your other fears into proper perspective. And listen, I know that we have to move on. And let me just give you two important thoughts here. One, You are really confused if you think that coming to Jesus means that that everything in your life will now magically go well. If you think through the stories of the Bible, and if you think of Christians throughout history, can you think of anyone that God loved that He did not also send them through storms? Paul? All of the disciples in the boat who were later martyred or exiled, Moses, David, Joseph, the nation of Israel, you need this reality, I need this reality, to be confronted with it, this bit of realism. But it leads me to the second thing. Jesus loved these friends of His, and He let the storm build on them while He slept. That God doesn't seem to be in a hurry in your life and is not interested in fixing your life the way you think it needs to be fixed.
or working along your timetables, it isn't a sign that he doesn't love you or care for you. Divine love has put you where you need to be. Okay, second, I want us to talk about being delivered through the storm by Jesus. And here, if we just crack the door a little bit, we want to open it wide to the hope that we have. But I do want you to realize that I am being very intentional with my prepositions, okay? I am not saying that Jesus delivers from storms, but that he delivers through storms. These, there are storms in his kingdom that he steers our boats into, and as Sinclair Ferguson wrote, every storm in life is another opportunity for you to see the glory of Jesus Christ and to discover His power at work in your life. That happens in the storm, not outside of the storm. Look, for all the troubling words about Jesus taking His friends into the storm, please don't miss this, that Jesus is present in the storm. He is in the boat with His disciples. He is in the storm with them. He may seem unhurried, even asleep, but He is there. These friends of Jesus, they saw His power, and they saw His glory. They learned to fear Him and gain a proper perspective for all their other fears because He was there in the storm with them. If we're going to face the brokenness of life and not be dominated by fear, we need this perspective that Jesus is present in the storm. That perspective, I don't know what that was, that perspective makes a huge difference. Listen, if you've ever seen a, a young child learning to ride a bike, or maybe you, maybe you can even remember having learned to ride your bike when you were a child, Look, it is an anxiety-producing event in the life of a child, right? They know the pavement is unforgiving, and this little bike now with the training wheels removed, it is quite unstable, um, and so they're scared. And listen, if you've ever seen this, I, I can tell you this. We've taught a few kids to bike ride. Um, look, the first time on that two-wheel bike, and that child does not care about tire pressure. He doesn't care if the chain has been oiled properly. I'm willing to bet that most of the time, that child doesn't even think to care that the brakes might or might not work on that bike. But, here's, but that little child will always want to know one thing. Will his daddy or mommy not let go? Right? Will dad, will you run alongside? Mommy, will you keep your hand on the bike? And they ask for these assurances repeatedly over and over again. Jesus, he may take his people into storms. But this story is showing you that he will not leave his people alone in those storms. His hand will be there. The divine love that took you into the storm will not leave you alone, but will deliver you through the storm. And stay with me here. Jesus, he woke up. His disciples woke him up, and with the same voice that created the wind and the waves... He rebuked them. He commanded them to be quiet and to be still, and everything was calm. But as soon as it was calm, Jesus asked his friends a very interesting question. Verse 25, he said, Where 
is your faith. He is not saying you are afraid of the storm because you don't have faith. He's asking, where is it? Where is your faith? It should be here right now. Go get your faith and bring it with you into the storm, is what he is saying. And this is where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? How do you trust him? Someone like this who will steer your boat into the hurricane, how do you get the proper perspective to trust that he will be with you when the water seems to be sinking your boat and he seems to be asleep? You have to learn how to bring your faith into the storm. We're in Luke chapter 8 with this story. And if you were to read through the Gospel of Luke in, in a sitting up to this point, do you, and I can only mention a couple here, but do you realize all the things these disciples have seen and heard? They saw him cast out demons with a word. They saw him heal lepers, heal a man with a withered hand. They saw him pronounce forgiveness of sins and preach the good news of the kingdom. They heard a very good preacher preach about the kingdom, Jesus himself. They had seen him do far more than just stop waves. They saw him bring a dead widow's son back to life in chapter 7. And now Jesus is asking, where is your faith? You are scared and you are wondering if I don't care for you anymore. You are questioning my goodness, the things you, the things you have seen and heard. You need to bring them into this storm. He is saying, I am the still point in your turning world. Go and get your faith and bring it here. And you might be thinking, well, easy enough for those guys because they saw all those things. What about us? Do you not realize how much more you have than these disciples had? There's another story in the Bible that's very similar to this one. It may have been a long time since you've read this story or heard this story, but it's the story of Jonah. And I want you to think about the similarities between these two stories, because in both stories, Jesus and Jonah were on on a sea in a boat. In both stories, there was a huge storm. And in both stories, the sailors, the seaworthy men, they were scared for their lives. In both stories, Jonah and Jesus were asleep on the boat in the storm. In both stories, the sailors, they came, they woke up the person who was sleeping. In both stories, there was a miracle where the sea went calm. And get this, in both stories, the sailors were more afraid after the sea was calmed. And the only difference seems to be that Jonah got thrown overboard in order to quiet the storm and calm the storm. But I want to suggest to you this morning that maybe, just maybe, they only seem different in that regard. Because Luke's gospel is a story of how power itself, Jesus, came to be thrown into the storm of God's justice for his people. Luke wants you to see this so that you are prepared for the storm when you get to Luke chapter 23 and you read this. It was now about the sixth hour or noon and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour or 3 p.m. It's the middle of the day. 
And then Luke says, the sun's light had failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. He came to be the ultimate Jonah, who was thrown into the storm of God's justice. And he did it all for you, because he always brings deliverance, not from storms, but through storms. And until you see this, storms will just be storms, and pain will just be pain in your life, and suffering will just be suffering in your life. When the storms hit, you have to go and get your faith and see His dying love for you. His willingness to deliver you through the storm, you have to see that. It has to become real to you, and then you will be able to put all your fears into perspective. To know that no storm could ever ultimately sink you because Jesus was sunk in your place. The smaller storms, they are only more opportunities for you to see the glory of Jesus and discover his power in your life. Eight years ago, Jennifer and I, um, we took our kids over to a friend's lake house and we were all on the dock fishing together. And Kennedy, she was three years old. Uh, she just turned 11 um, this past uh, a week ago. And um, maybe that's why I thought of it. Um, but anyway, she, we were standing on the dock, and uh, we're all fishing, and she took a step backwards and fell off the dock. And we all heard this splash, and we turned around to see her sinking underneath the water. And immediately, right, I'm her daddy. I didn't have to think about it, right? I just jumped in and ruined my new iPhone and, and everything else I had in my, my, my pockets. Um, but I was going in after her without thinking about it. I just did it. I'm her daddy. So a couple of weeks went by, and we were going out to the same friend's house again. And I hope I never forget this because it was beautiful. Um, we told Kennedy where we were going because it only seemed fair to warn her that we were returning to the scene of the crime, uh, the thing that caused her to cry all those tears in that moment or on that day. And um, as we're buckling her into her car seat, she looked up at, at Jennifer and she said, Mama, we need to bring some clothes in case I fall into the lake again. And it was a beautiful moment because there was no fear in her voice. This, this is why. Because she knew that if anything happened, her daddy would be in the water in an instant to pull her back up to safety. Three years old, you know what she was doing? She was bringing her faith into the storm. That's how you do it. Master, master, we're going to drown. Don't you care if we're perishing? These are not good prayers. They really aren't. You're not supposed to pray like that. Don't you care? He left heaven to be swallowed by the gathering storm and waters of God's justice. He did it all for you. He came to deliver you through that storm. Go and get your faith and bring it with you into the storms of life. Now listen, will understanding this change your perspective. James, 
he addressed his letter to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. He was writing to a people who had been driven from their homes and from security and from safety by persecution. And this is what he wrote as soon as he addressed the twelve scattered tribes. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That I would call a change in perspective, to consider trials and storms and crashing waves, to consider it pure joy. In God's economy, He always brings deliverance through storms. Out of His deep love for you, He died for you. Out of His deep love for you, He delivered you through the storm of God's justice in Jesus. And He takes you into smaller storms to make you greater, to work deliverance throughout your life, to make you more like Jesus. To some of you this morning, I am speaking very directly because you are in the storm right now. Listen, go and get your faith and bring it into the storm with you. Had any other condition been better for you than the one in which you are, divine love would have put you there. You are in the storm to see the glory of Jesus and discover His power in your life, to find Him to be the still point in your turning world. You are in the storm because He delivers through storms. And He is refining you in the storm. And He is making you more like Jesus in the storm. That's how He does it. That's how He makes you who you were meant to be. Others of you, you aren't in the storm right now. And to you, I would just say, give it some time. Um, because this is the normal way God works in the lives of those He loves. He takes you into the storm to deliver you through the storm. He will do it to remind you of what He told His friends, these same friends, in John chapter 16. I have said these things to you that you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. See, you need to be prepared if you're not in the storm right now because Jesus says you will enter the storm. There will be tribulation in your life. But also be prepared to bring your faith into the storm. The storms of this life, Jesus is saying, are passing and they are temporary. He has overcome the world through His death on the cross for you. The disciples did it poorly. But what they did, they cried out to Jesus. Cry out to Jesus and come as you are to the King of kings, to the hands of the healer. Come to Him, for His yoke is easy and His burden is light. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You even for the storms that You steer us into. And we confess that it is hard for us to thank You for that. It is hard for us to praise You for the storms that You bring in our life, but to know that You are with us in the storm. 
to be reminded that though you appear asleep and though you won't be hurried, you promise to always deliver through storms. Father, for this we thank you. For this we praise your name. For you are good, gracious, and kind King to your people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.